You may remember that we asked you to assist us in the Bonzo Angus Prune experiment. We remember that too. All right, all right, all right. We wanted to see how much of the British Isles Angus Prune could cover in six days. And so we asked you to keep an eye out for him and report to us. Right. Do you know we received 5,436,322 cards? Is that a fact? No, it's a fib. <laughs> in fact, Angus Prune was spotted by 130 people. In places as far apart as Flanfair Second, Winchester Cathedral, Socky Hall Street, Downing Street, Beirut and Frinton. He was even seen in Bond Street, London, singing, Diner, Diner, Show Us Your Leg. <laughs> Reports are still coming in, so meanwhile... Once again, the Angus Prune tune brings you the odd half hour. Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bilotti. And here, by way of introduction, is a special message from the Minister of Vulture. It's, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Again. <laughs> BBC television has found that audiences naturally warm towards the ordinary working man with his irrepressible cockney humour, his natural zest for life, and his filthy language. <laughs> well, if television can do it, why can't BBC Sound Radio cash in on the idea? We proudly present the first in a series of new comedy programmes. For better or for worse than some. We join the Brackett family as Lydia Brackett, Dolly little daughter of cheerful cockney Alf Brackett, comes downstairs for breakfast. Watch your dad! Watch your girl, Gordon Bennett! You look a right old rat bag this morning! Shut up, you stupid twit! Morning, Mum! Morning, Dale! Shut your cake! Oh, sit down in your breakfast! I don't want no breakfast, do I? What do you mean you don't want no breakfast? Gordon Bennett! Never mind you don't want no breakfast, you silly moo! Sit down like a martelia! What's the matter then? You in love or something then, girl? Oh, Gordon Bennett! <laughs> <laughs> shut up! Shut up, you silly old ferret. Yeah, where's Grandpa this morning? Here he comes now, you stupid old git. Ah, what a rotten morning. Shut up, you great bastard. Eat your breakfast. I don't want no breakfast. Gordon, Gordon Bennett. Bennett. Shut up. Ruth, yeah. What? Gordon, Gordon Bennett. Bennett. Shut up, you old gas bag. Oi. What? Shut up. Yeah. Video girl, why aren't you eating no breakfast? I ain't got no time, that's why. Here, Ooh. there's someone at your door. Oh, it'll be my new boyfriend. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Gordon Bennett! Horace Bucket, actually. Who's this then? Robbing the boy one day? Oh, Gordon no. Bennett! Oi! Yeah, gorse tooth, blimey, yeah, oi! Pardon? Yeah, do you want this cup of tea then? Oh, yes, please. Right, oh, then, here you are, mate. All over him, ah! Oh. <laughs> Tea all over my trousers. Oh, damnation. I'm not having any of that sort of filth in my house, you foul mouthed little rat bag. Yeah! Gordon Bennett! Is that the time I gotta be at the old Bailey at ten? Gordon Bennett, not gay! Yes, it's a blackmail case. Where's me wig? In our experiment, we also asked you to tell us what Angus Prune looked like. Well, according to one listener, he appeared to be a sort of cross between Walter Gabriel and the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> and someone, someone else measured him and says he was 116 feet, 10 and 3 quarter inches tall. 
But that was including Nelson's column. <laughs> on which he was standing at the time. We had widely differing reports of what Angus Prune was wearing. He was naked except for a thin crust of puff pastry round his midriff. <laughs> An I Love Lady Constance t-shirt. A leopard skin so that he was easily spotted. And a blue suit with silver buttons and a pointed hat. Hello? Well, as we have mentioned before, this program has a most inconsiderable following among the intelligentsia. So, when Sir Timothy Trim Candle of Oxford University... Hello. ...and Professor Edward Ferret smith of Cambridge... How do you do? ...asked if they might make a return visit to our show, well, there was only one answer we could give them. But they came anyway. So, here they are with their latest piece. Hello, darling. Hello. Uh, now, Sir Timothy, uh, what will you be doing for us today? Ah, yes. Oh, well, we shall be doing a rather catchy little song. Uh, very catchy. Very catchy, Teddy, yes. A little song. Very catchy indeed. Shut up, Teddy. <laughs> yes, I'll shut up. Uh, yes, and what sort of song is this? Um, an American blues song which we wrote ourselves. Where are you off to, Teddy? I'm going to accompany you at the piano. But I shan't be at the piano, Teddy. No, you sing at the microphone and I'll accompany you. Ah, I see. So who's going to play the piano? I'm going to play the piano. Oh, the piano. Shut up, Teddy. Shut All right, up. well, here we go. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Goodness me, I've got the blue. Blues? What? Florals. Oh, yes. Um, from the top of my head to my pigskin shoes. Uh, my girlfriend left me and I feel rather sad. Since she went away, I've been feeling miserable. I'm still not too happy about that rhyme, Teddy. <laughs> not one of our best. No, really, no. Any, anyway, here's the second verse. Uh, good heavens, I've got the blue. Blues, sorry. But why should I worry? I've got nothing to lose. Whoa, yes, man. <laughs> Pardon, Teddy? Whoa, yes, man. I think it's what you're supposed to say every now and then. Is it? Well, yes, man. Yes, well, don't, Teddy. I've lost my drift now. Where was I? Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, oh, yes. Well, yes, man. Do shut up, Teddy. <laughs> now, nothing to lose. I'm all alone and feeling pretty sad. Since my young lady went away, I've been feeling terrible. Not much better, is it, Teddy? <laughs> it's dreadful, Timmy. Let's get on to the good bit. That was the good bit, Teddy. Very fun. Well, take it away, Timmy. Oh, yes, here we go. We can't spoon anymore under the moon anymore in the month of June anymore. Since she went away, I felt lonely all day. You can say, whoa, yes, man, if you want to, Teddy. Uh, whoa, yes, man. Teddy, you'll spoil the effect. <laughs> Last verse. <laughs> By gum, I've got the blues. It's a thing I can't excuse. I think the piano's a little sharp, Teddy. <laughs> this, this is the end of my song, and I feel sad. Since my sweetheart left me, I've been feeling absolutely awful. Perhaps not, Teddy. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, tonight we are going to take a look at beekeeping. And to tell us all about it, we have in the studio a man who's been keeping bees for over 40 years, Mr. Reggie Prawnbaum. What first interested you in the bee world, Mr. Prawnbaum? Well, even as a child, I used to... I'm sorry, shouldn't I have said that? Oh, no, no, of course you should. Uh, pay no attention, please. When I say shh, it's just a nervous habit that I picked up. <laughs> if I want you to keep quiet, I shall say shush. I see. Um, even when I was a child, I used to wander around... And so I, I used to wander around the fields watching the bees flying from flower to flower Shh. and taking note of the flowers they visited. Shush. Was that wrong? I'm so sorry. Did I say shush? I mean, shh. <laughs> Do go on. It's very interesting. And, and, and I have grown to love the little shh. creatures. Uh, nature really has produced a little masterpiece in the life of the bee. Oh! I'm so sorry. I'm afraid that's a reflex action, too. Um, I squawk every time somebody mentions the word life. Ah! <laughs> you see, when I mention it. Um, I should have warned you. I'm sorry. Please do go on. Very well. As we all know, bees are divided into different categories. Shh. The queen bee, for example, and the worker bee whose life's... Ah! <laughs> ...living expectancy is only one year. Shh. The worker bees, on the other hand, have a much longer... Shush! Do, do you want me to stop? Yes, well, you were just about to say life. Oh! No, I, no, I wasn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please continue. The workers have a much longer life. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't meaning to say that. It's just you got me rattled. Well, well, the queen bee stays in the hive and the workers Shh. fly around the flower to flower collecting the pollen. What's happened? Uh, don't worry, don't worry, please. Uh, I'm the producer. I'm afraid the uh, interviewer's exploded. Um, we should have warned you, but he explained to us that he would explode if anyone said the word pollen. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I suppose it was a bit of a risk letting him interview a beekeeper. <laughs> I have a postcard here which says that Angus Prune was seen sitting on an aardvark on Southampton docks waiting for the continent to come in. Well, this one says he was boarding a number 38A bus for Victoria, whom he loves very dearly. Ah, ah that's obviously Victoria Plum. <laughs> And now from your favourite singer and mine, the melodious voice of our resident vocalist, the incomparable tones of that lovable laddie from Lancashire, William Edgar Oddy. <laughs> When I take him for romps in the park Ah, your grandfather Who comes when I whistle Who sits when I say And who doesn't whimper or bark Yes, a man's best friend is his duck His what? Oh, a duck will bring you good luck Incredible I don't want a budgie who says naughty words yes. I don't take to titmice or hummingbirds A watchdog with webbed feet. A duck is a friend for life, be he a ruddy great farmyard Aylesbury or a delicate little South American vermaculated teal. A duck is strong, even when wet. And when you come home after a hard day being nibbled by vultures, you know that something will be waiting. Something who will run down the path to meet you. Something who cares. You're a duck. And as you settle into your armchair, he'll climb upon your knee. And as he lays his 
of the Angus Prune experiment. Well, we're extremely grateful for all the cards we received from those of you who spotted Angus Prune on his travels around the country. Yes, and all the information has been fed straight into the BBC computer vulture. <laughs> In fact, you were all wrong, because Angus Prune stayed at home all week. <laughs> what you obviously saw were some of the 6,000 decoy prunes we sent out. <laughs> the whole thing was, in fact, a ruse organised by the GPO to make you buy more stamps. <laughs> They made three pounds, five shillings and sixpence. <laughs> There's one final card I'd like to read you. It says, I wish to complain about your program. So far this week, I had to buy 700 vultures to give away to people, and it's costing a fortune. Yours, etc., a prune. <laughs> and now, the curse of the flying wombat. Windsor and his friends are being subjected to the dreaded Baghdad water torture. Water torture? I think we've... I think... I think we've had it. Well, let's have it again. All right. Water, water torture. torture. Thank you. Oh, by the boy, I'm the boy. Oh, oh, the water's up to me ankles. Now it's up to my knees. Now it's up to my waist. It's reached my neck. Rubbish, Grimbling. My feet aren't wet yet. You're standing on my head. <laughs> oh, auntie, think of something. <laughs> Not that. It's over my chin. I'm swallowing water. <laughs> Drunken lot. Well done, Grimby. Well done. Yes, still, still just because he's just because he's drunk it, it doesn't mean we can escape. No, one swallow doesn't make a spring. But, <laughs> but there must be some way out. Shall I pick the lock? Uh, yes, go on. Uh, that one. No. Uh, what we need is a hairpin. I'm afraid I've lost mine. Or perhaps there's a key under the mat. Well, we can look. Yes, there is something here. What, what is, is it? it? A hairpin. Ah, ah, that'll be mine. I knew it must be somewhere. Now I can stop wearing this key in my hair. <laughs> she tells us. Once outside the dungeon, they make their way upstairs as silently as mice. Hey! What? How are we going to get out? Climb the wall. How? I've got a ladder in my stocking. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. It's all right. No one can hear us. <laughs> hey, what? Look over there. The gate's open. All right, then. Let me go first. Can't you wait till we get outside? <laughs> Entries and out into the silent, sleeping city. Turn off that bloody music! 
Christ trying to sleep round here. Right. Now we must get organized and get out of here whilst it's still dark. We must find some transport. Aha! What's that strange shape silhouetted over there? Uh, it looks like Lady Constance lying on her back, viewed from the end. No. No, it's a Bactrian camel asleep on its front, viewed from the side. You have three seconds to form a mental picture. Right. Just what we need. Grimly, go and pinch that camel. <laughs> it was Lady Constance lying on her back, viewed from the end. There must be somewhere where we can find some camels. I know. Where? The zoo. The zoo. Right. To the zoo. To the zoo. We're going to the zoo. Yes, what do you want? I've been sent for the camels. Well, I don't suppose they want you. I <laughs> want to buy some. Oh, well, that'll cost you three and six on the never never. Uh, you never pay us, and we never give them to you. Uh, all right, we'll take them. Good. Uh, how many humps? Uh, two and no milk. No, no, no. <laughs> no, how many humps? I mean, how many people is it for? Oh, um, nine. Ah, oh, well, you can have three Bactrians, two Arabians, and a dromedary, or three dromedaries, two Arabians, and two Bactrians, or. Four and a half Bactrians. At uh, this point, we would like to point out to listeners that in order to appreciate this sequence, they should remember that an Arabian camel has two humps, a Bactrian camel has one hump, and a dromedary is the same as an Arabian and has one. No. No, a Bactrian has two humps, an Arabian has one, and a dromedary also has two. No, one. No, no, a dromedary has one. A Bactrian? Or you could have a horse. <laughs> you just thump it in the belly a bit, and that'll push a lump out on the top. We just take the camels. And so we rode off into the night. All around us, the air was still. The stars were twinkling, and overhead... A few hours later, dawn arrived. Hi, everybody. Captain Cleese halted our party. Right, that's enough. Now, let's see. We must have come quite some way. Um, has anyone got a map? All right, uh, Miss Rabbit Vacuum, let's have a look at yours. Yes. Now, uh, let's have a look at your map. Uh-huh. Now, according to this, we're three miles south of Blackpool. Uh, does anyone have a map of Arabia? No, I've got one here. Ah, thank you. Ah, yes, now it's quite clear. What? We're lost. There was only one thing to do. <laughs> there we were, stranded in the desert. All day long, the sun was beating. The flies were humming. And the vultures were swinging in the blue. Then Lady Constance let out a hideous scream. Oh, yeah, baby. She's raving. Come on out, you reckless boy. Let me run my sensual fingers through your horrible greasy hair. Yes, me. She's got sunstroke. All right, who's been stroking Lady Constance? Captain, Captain, look. Now Grimbling's talking to himself. Who's your pretty Grimbling, then? <laughs> the trousers are fine, so let's just try the jacket, shall we? My lady likes me to look pretty. Hmm, yes, it's a bit tight to the shoulders. Uh, perhaps you could let the sleeves out a little. He's having a fit. Oh, it's... <laughs> it's no good. It's this wretched sun. It's affecting them all. Thank goodness I can resist it. It's the heat that gets them, you see. Nice getting nose bone. And the, the colonel will look at Fiona Rabbit back to him. There's only one person here who's not affected. And that's me. <laughs> you hear me? I'm quite normal. <laughs> then, just as we were all weakening, weakening, Wimbling suddenly cheered us all. Hooray! <laughs> and at about the same moment, the colonel clapped his eyes on the horizon. Well done, eyes. <laughs> Look, everyone, the caravan. And another. And another. 
another. What a sight. A caravan sight. <laughs> and so that evening we relaxed in the luxury of the Sahara holiday camp. Oh. It was a chance for all of us to find ourselves again. There they come from. Ah, there I am. <laughs> Grimbling, fetch me some coconut milk. Certainly, ma'am. Grimbling, what are you doing to that nut? Milking it, ma'am. <laughs> but where is my nephew and that Miss Rabbit vacuum? They're spooning by the swimming pool. It's no good. We'll never fill it with a spoon. Never fire, come No, no, no. Don't disturb them, ma'am. Can't you see he's lovesick? I love you. <laughs> oh, Timsy Wimsy. Couldn't we be man and wife? Of course. Which do you want to be? <laughs> oh, Tim. You're so funny. Oh, glad you think so. Oh, name the day, Fiona. Very well. Oh, let me, let me hold you. Oh. Come into my arms. Oh! Shh, let me kiss your lips. No, behind. I beg your pardon. Look, behind you, oh. coming out of that clump of palm trees, a polar bear smoking a hubble bubble pipe and wearing fawn trousers. That's not a real polar bear. It's somebody disguised as a polar bear. How do you know? It's wearing a false moustache. <laughs> and listen, it sounds like one of the desert rats. <laughs> Why are you disguised as a polar bear? So that no one will recognize me. Then why the false moustache? Well, in case anybody recognized the polar bear. Then why a polar bear wearing fawn trousers? Well, I'm hairy with the light brown jeans. <laughs> but be that as it may, I've been following you through the sewers. What sewers? A pint of butter, please. <laughs> Everybody get under that coconut tree. Oh. Those nuts are loaded. I'll count up to 50, and if you don't hand over the green eye, I'll shake them down on you like so many booms. But surely you'll get blown up too. No. I mean, yes. <laughs> right, I'm starting. But we haven't got the green eye. One, two, three, four, thumb, six, mm, eek, nuns, ting, lube, how can they escape from the clutches of Masha Wilkins and his exploding coconuts? Will Captain Clean ever get the green eye of a little yellow dog? Will he know what to do with it when he gets it? I can tell him. Has the rhubarb tart man been down your street yet? If you see him, go up to him with a machine gun and answer a simple question to win five pounds. What's the question? How much do you want for that machine gun? Five pounds. <laughs> roar of I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again, which was written this week by Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden and Bill Oddie. wrote the songs and the voices you heard belong to Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bill The music was played by Dave Lee and the whole show was produced by Humphrey Barclay, who is now appearing with Queenie Harbridge in songs the rugger club dare not sing. <laughs> so that's it until the same time again next week, when once again John Otto Cleese will sing for you... It's I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again, again... <laughs> I'll be sorry I'll read that again. 